Hello everybody, my name, my name is Said Moan, and this is On's Gotta Talk for, t- for Monday, 10th of January, 2022. And today's episode, which is a Monday episode, is usually the slow one. There's not much going on, but we have plenty of things to talk about. Honor releases its very first folding phone, the Honor Magic V. We're going to talk a bit about it, uh, obviously, in a few moments. Uh, aside from that, uh, Samsung... Or you could kind of say the S22 is coming, and we got more details about the S22 and when you can get your hands on this phone based on industry sources. So definitely stick around for that. And um, Realme is going to come to America. Uh, how, what, when? Uh, well, find out. <laughs> Keep listening to find out. And uh, we got plenty of things to about. We're going to also talk about things that we kind of missed at CES. I mean, I didn't ca- talk about in the previous episode because, as I said, the whole episode kind of went over 40 50 minutes so uh you know so we're also going to catch up on uh what we what uh, what happened at CES including that BMW concept car that changes its color it's very interesting and again it's caught in everyone's eye uh, surprisingly in uh again it caught uh, no one ex- no one saw it no one saw it coming in a way i mean i thought it it would be it would be a thing but again um no one saw it coming in a way and finally uh, the ge- developer of Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead Redemption buys the developers behind Farmwell. I'm talking about Type 2 buying out Zynga. This is a very interesting acquisition because mobile has obviously now become a big trend in the gaming world, front and center. Obviously, the success of Free Fire uh, by uh, C and um, PUBG Mobile and Call of Duty Mobile, you know, Tencent and and um, and C succeeding in mobile gaming has kind of motivated uh, major game studios to invest further in mobile gaming because it is a massive audience of people play on their phones. So uh, it's a very interesting development, and we're going to talk about it towards the end. So yeah, uh, without we're going to talk about it all in today's episode. So without further ado, let's get rolling, shall we? Twenty twenty two is the year of the tiger. Unfortunately enough, in China, it's kind of the year of the foldable. We've seen lots of folding phones from brands like Huawei and Xiaomi and Oppo, and now Honor is joining the party with the Honor Magic Wii. It is a magical little folding phone. It's quite a flagship itself, given the specs we have on the table, uh, in a way. And um, again, it's quite fancy, and apparently it delivers a combination of fashion and tech, which I think makes a ton of sense, given it's a premium device with a premium price tag, if you ask me. Um, And it's a very interesting uh, little device. Uh, it's an interesting little fella. To start with, we gotta talk about the folding capabilities, the foldable displays. We got an outer and inner display, so it's a bit like the Z Fold 3, and again, like most of the foldables out there, not a flip phone design, a regular bookcase, uh, a regular clamshell book design, sort of folds out like a book, folds back in like a book, but it's got one thing that, let's just say, the Oppo Finance had. Now, the Honor Magic V features a water drop hinge technology, which apparently would be the slimmest, uh, would give you essentially the slimmest uh, hinge or almost like gapless, so there's no creases or gaps when you fold uh, the phone completely up uh, in your hands. And overall, the phone is not that thick uh, compared to, say, the Z Fold 3. And it was interesting. You could say it, w- it was about 15 to 16 millimeters thick. Uh, and then when you fold it out, it's obviously half that thickness. So again, it's quite it's quite slim and uh, sleek uh, and fashionable, which is what Honor is going for, given the target market for Honor phones. Uh, it's uh, appealing to young consumers who have a lot of money and they want to have something stylish 
and they won performance but they won the looks and this definitely uh, delivers uh, but interestingly enough they talked a little bit about how they want to make it a bit like a regular phone and that it's like a daily driver flagship phone in a way and and and, and it's interesting to start with uh, the honor magic we uh, features a 6.45 inch curved OLED display and it's curved at about 44 degrees uh, as it is so it's pretty interesting and has an aspect ratio of 21.3 by 9 so it's roughly 21 by 9 aspect ratio which is very regular it's different from say a Z Fold 3 or the Fine N that is obviously looking to be compact or tall uh, to accom accommodate the inner folding display but here they've gone for making it a bit of a regular display so you're, go you're not going to fold the phone out unless you're reading a book or watching a movie, right? Or doing some, or running a spreadsheet kind of through Excel, right? So it's gonna be a, it's so they've made the regular outer display like a regular phone, and I think that's pretty good, uh, instead of making it long or compacted or, you know, so like a regular display, and I think that's pretty good. And I would actually applaud Honor. I regular, I wouldn't really sing a lot of praises for uh, most folding phones, but I could probably apply. I could probably appreciate Honor offering a decent little regular smartphone size display, so you don't have to fold the phone out at much, right? Even though the Magic V has a water drop hinge, so the way it is is that the the the, the screen cur uh, curves or folds inwards, and when you, you know it's like folding a paper without without putting a crease through it to straighten it. So it kind of creates a water drop towards towards this uh, when when you fold it in. So it kind of creates a water drop, and that's what we mean by that. And uh, the Oppo Find N has been the first device to have this design, and I think it's pretty. I definitely applaud Oppo for doing that. Again, a lot in terms of durability, it, it improves the durability, and again, it makes the inner display last a little longer than say the Z Fold 3. The Z Fold 3 obviously has its fair share of issues with the with the with the uh, with the hinge and the creases coming out. It's a very, it's pretty visible after you use it over and over again. You can feel it almost in the Z Flip 3 and the Z Fold 3. I think that that's their biggest weakness, but I'm sure Samsung will figure it out down the road. Uh, and I'll pro I'm sure they'll figure, uh, they'll probably have something uh, ready for prime time and they'll figure it out compared to uh, compared to what Oppo or Honor have right now, which is this d unique design where the, where the screen is not really attached to the hinge. It's not like being supported. It's sort of, curves inwards like and creates a kind of water drop around it so there's no hinge and so there's no like again there's no crease almost which is interesting but yeah uh, uh, the inner display is a 7.9 inch display and it's almost similar to the outer display same s very similar specs same refresh rate and even the same PWM frequency which is pretty cool and it's apparently a bit faster than the, than the latest iPhone which is pretty interesting not a big deal, but again, quality of life improvement, and that's how it is. Um, and if you talk about vividness, this display features 100% DCI-P3 color gambit and can deliver up to 1 billion colors. Uh, and again, it has 120 hertz refresh rate. And it's the first phone, the first foldable, to have IMAX enhanced certification. Doesn't make much of a difference, but again, it results in a crispier movie watching experience. If you have Disney+, Plus, and the Disney Plus app could work with certain Android phones you could watch certain movies at a much larger resolution and with greater color with greater vibrancy which I think is uh, nice to have it's not a, again it's not a big deal but but it's a quality of life improvement the hinge interestingly inside this foldable is made of high strength titanium alloy 
zirconium liquid metals, I'm so sorry if I pronounced it horribly, and high strength carbon fibers, which apparently make this phone pretty lightweight compared to, again, say the Z Fold 3. So that's a pretty interesting uh, fact nonetheless. Aside from that, it comes with both with either 12 uh, gigabytes, uh, it comes with 12 gigabytes of RAM, the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 chip, one of the first pro uh, foldables out there with this chip, interestingly enough. Uh, again, would, and runs on 5G, which is pretty cool. Uh, along with that, you get 256 or 512 gigabytes of storage. Uh, again, pretty fast, uh, being, they claim it's to be a flagship, so they gotta have it, uh, interestingly enough. Um, and you have 30% faster GPU performance compared to the previous generation, according to Honor's press release. So that's pretty interesting. Along with that, you have a 50 megapixel rear camera, a 42 megapixel front camera, uh, and also additional sensors. They didn't touch on it, but I'm sure they're ultra wide and macro sensors, interestingly enough. So it's a quad camera array. So that is pretty interesting, regardless. Um, that's nice. That's honestly nice to have, if you ask me. I mean, it's gonna be. I'm. I'm guessing it's gonna be similar to Honor's Magic or main Honor 60 phones in terms of camera specs. So, it's a foldable. So you're not gonna expect to have, almost DSL, DSLR quality. Let's go over to the Z Fold 3 for this example. I mean, don't expect DSLR quality for You're you're getting a foldable to get a folding display. So there's some compromises. Let's just say that. Uh, interesting enough. Um, it has a 40. 4,750 million power battery with 66 watt fast charging. So you could top, you can top up half of the battery in just 15 minutes. Comes in three colors, black, silver, and orange. Again, quite stylish and fashionable. Uh, a bit of a, a bit of a style, stylish phone in a way. Again, a bit of a fashion statement owning the phone. It's a foldable, so it'll be cool in and of itself, uh, interestingly enough. So it, it's a very fascinating phone and, and honestly, um, again, uh, Honor has got it, has nailed it right over here with this phone, uh, interestingly enough. The Honor Magic V for the base spec will start from 9,999 yuan RMB, which would be about f around 15 to 1,600 US dollars. And then the maxed out spec for double the storage will be about 10,999 yuan RMB. So that would be about... Uh, seventy to eighteen hundred dollars, around seventeen hundred dollars, uh, give or take. So, that's with the currency calculation, as I tend to call it. So, it's really interesting. Uh, foldable, the fact that they've aimed at making it a bit of a flagship, and at the same time, uh, it's a it, again, it's a pretty premium phone. Um, I mean, uh, well, let's just say foldables are getting better, and they're gonna hit the mainstream really soon. Um. So uh, again, it's a quite extraordinary and stylish foldable and uh, pretty practical in a way, uh, given what they've done with the outer display. I, I would seriously applaud them for that and the, and the processing part you have here. Uh, there is Magic UI 6.0 on this, interestingly enough, but again, it's a bit of a quality of life improvement. I'll, I'll just leave it to that. I, I, honestly, the UI may make a bit of an improvement with the foldable experience, but Generally speaking, I mean, again, it's a quality of life improvement. You buy a foldable to enjoy the display, having a, a display on the outer side that 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 does does regular phone things, and then you fold it out. It's like a little little tablet. So, I mean, you buy into a foldable for what it is, right? So, you, you know what you're 
you know what you're getting for your money. So, again, it's a pretty extraordinary and stylish device regardless. I mean, you know, would I recommend it? I mean, it's only available in China, unfortunately. Um, oh, I uh, wanted to clarify. I mean, I read this uh, towards the end. Uh, the inner display is only at 90 hertz, clocked. And the outer, uh, okay, uh, the outer display is running at 90 hertz. And the inner display... It runs at 120 hertz, so that's something definitely to keep in mind. I think it's to save the battery life, potentially, even though both displays can do it. I mean, the Z Fold 3 could run both outer and inner display at 120 hertz, so... But still, I think they're trying to optimize the battery life, so I think that that that's what they're doing here. This phone will be available from January 18th, so... Yeah, I mean, if you live in China, I would highly recommend this uh, over, say, the Mi Mix Fold. You probably want to wait until Xiaomi releases a, new, a newer version of the Mi Mix Fold. Um, maybe they'll have a better hinge, a better processor. This is probably re highly recommended if you're in China. Hopefully, they do. They should bring this out outside of China to the rest of the world. Uh, I mean, I'd love to try this if they launch it in the Middle East. They, they definitely have to. This is a this is a flagship. So, and and people love to have foldables. So, they gotta bring it to Europe and the Middle East. So that'll be interesting. I mean, uh, nonetheless. But but again, stylish and extraordinary, uh, regardless. Samsung, uh, we gotta talk about them. The S22 is gonna be releasing in the next couple of weeks. Next month, you could expect to see the S22 launched. On February, according to a Korean tech site, M Daily, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right here, um, but according to Digital Daily, uh, okay, that that's the that's the reporter's title. Uh, according to a Korean tech site, I don't know their name, so I might be pronouncing it wrong. Uh, but uh, according to uh, ddaily.co.kr, uh, Samsung could be releasing the S22 on the 24th of February. You can buy it on 20 on the 24th of February. They're, they'll unveil the phone on. February the 8th, when Galaxy Unpacked happens, Samsung Unpacked happens on February 8th. You can pre-order the next day on February 9th, and you will then be able to buy it on the 24th. So towards the end of February, you're able to buy the Galaxy S22 series, the S22, S22 Plus, and S22 Ultra, which is pretty interesting regardless. And according to this article, uh, it'll be available with either the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 or the Exynos 2200, the four markets that are not... Qualcomm only, like the US or Europe, where you could buy phones with Qualcomm chips if you live in China or South Korea, Asia, mainly the Middle East or, uh, or Africa, you know, you can get the Exynos 2200 with the S22 series. Uh, so that's interesting to note, uh, interestingly enough. And according to this article also, uh, pre-order pre-orders will be shipped from the 21st of February. Oh, again, I'm surprised. Um, so it's interesting. That they're that they're not uh, they're not gonna launch it on during Mobile World Congress, uh, not surprising honestly. I've heard about Mobile World Congress getting delayed a little bit later into the year uh, because of Omicron. So I think Samsung's probably be playing it pretty safe by doing a whole event by its own on February eighth. Uh, but it's kind of claimed here that um, that Samsung's gonna do its unpacked event on February eighth. So that's pretty exciting. Um, so I'm sure that for a couple of weeks after this, you're able to buy these phones. So, yeah, um, not surprised really. We knew all along that they were going to release it 
during Feb in the month of February almost. January would be a bit early in a way, and also there must be there must be the supply chain shortages generally, uh, which means that one aim for a January release it would be a little later than usual. So I'm sure that there and also right now Samsung's heavily promoting the S twenty one FE. So you probably inter it would be interfering with the with the with the uh, the S twenty two would interfere with the with the FE's release kind of in certain markets who knows that's just why i think of that's that's what i'm thinking it, it could be so uh not surprised i mean generally so so it's pretty but again uh pretty interesting uh nonetheless also another phone in the wings moving on is oneplus 10 pro uh now we uh, we've talked about last week kind of uh, oneplus showed off a whole bunch of new information about the OnePlus 10 Pro, the specs, the design. We know a bit, now we know more about the camera because they've also talked a bit further about the OnePlus 10 Pro's camera. Uh, so it went into detail with some of the features. First of all, uh, one thing for sure that we knew from last week, it'll come with a 150 degree ultra wide camera. So it'll give you a slightly, it'll give you even more field of view for your money, which I think is pretty uh, interesting. Uh, so a typical, a typical ultrawide sensors on phones would come with up to 120 degree field of view, but the OnePlus 10 Pro would come with 150 degrees field of view, uh, which is again, which again, allowing you to fit more in a picture, which is interesting. And uh, it's a pretty noticeable bump if you think about it. So uh, it's again, it's a unique feature that they're offering. And OnePlus, fortunately enough, will, be, will also offer a fisheye mode, allowing you to take a photo uh, with that ultrawide sensor. It would, again, would use the 120 degree field of view ultrawide angle camera. And apparently this will also come over to the 9 Pro, uh, to give an example here. Uh, pretty interesting. I mean, it's not, again, it's not a big deal, uh, but it's, ni it's a nice to have. On top of that, uh, OnePlus obviously has talked at length about its collaboration with Hasselblad, with its computational photography and features, and its raw, uh, raw photography, generally, and the OnePlus 10 Pro generally uh, will feature a second-gen Hasselblad uh, Pro mode, or you could say computational photography. Um, the Pro mode features things like RAW Plus and Movie Mode, which again will sort of bump up the quality of your photos and videos. Uh, RAW Plus is interesting, apparently. It gives you all the best bits of RAW. Uh, you know, everything's editable. It's it's like a photo, but you can change it up in Photoshop. But you get the capabilities of that all that computational photography uh, that exists on that photo. So you could, again, you can tweak a lot of things. Um, but then again, the phone, the phone's processor software processes uh, the camera. Uh, pro, you could say processes the photo generally. Uh, Basically, the point is that you're gonna you you have raw mode on these phones, uh, on the OnePlus 10 Pro. But raw plus means you'll get some of the best bits of uh, Hasselblad's Pro mode, which is pretty cool, uh, regardless. And uh, the OnePlus 10 Pro will support 10-bit color in high-efficiency image format, which is pretty interesting, uh, regardless. Um, you know, so so again, it's pretty cool. It's nice to have. And I'm believing the movie mode is very similar to cinematic mode in the iPhone 13 Pro Max. So it might be OnePlus's answer to cinematic mode on the iPhones. So again, uh, pretty interesting 
um, I mean, uh, pretty cool collaboration with Hasselblad again uh, to offer a slightly better photo experience. You know, I mean, uh, it won't change the world, you could say, but again, it's a nice to have on a high-end phone. It'll probably cost about nine hundred dollars uh, down the road. So uh, again, uh, pretty cool stuff for OnePlus. Right, uh, we gotta talk about a bunch of smartphone things. And again, we're gonna talk. Then we're gonna talk about essentially the best of CES, in a way. Uh, Huawei is gonna be releasing the P50 Pro and the P50 Pocket uh, outside of China. Uh, Huawei's Malaysian subsidiary has posted on its Twitter page uh, both phones, announcing that they'll be available from January 12th, the P50 Pro and the P50 Pocket. And um, and um, interesting enough. Uh, They've stated that will run on e uh, the P50 Pocket and the Pro will run an EMUI 12, and that the P50 Pro will feature the Snapdragon 888 instead of the Kirin 9000. Uh, that's pretty interesting, and that um, you get a single 8 gigabyte of RAM, 256 gigabytes of storage, and a premium edition which comes with 12 gigabytes of RAM and 512 gigabytes of storage. Um, again, it's not really news, but again, it's great to see that Huawei is releasing their phones outside of China, and uh, they're not going to wait an eternity. They're going to run out and launch these phones. So if they're releasing it in Malaysia, most likely I'd say they might be launching this soon in Europe and the Middle East. So that's pretty exciting to see. Uh, or you could say Malaysia is quite similar, far, not that far from China, so it's not that hard to tweak certain software. But it might come with, uh, again, the fact that it's coming with EMUI 12, uh, we're coming, uh, running with running App Gallery. It's, again, uh, using local apps will not be an issue. It might not get Facebook or Google, but again, uh, it won't be much of an issue uh, relative. So, uh, so um, that's pretty interesting. Uh, it just says it will be available from January twelfth. Um, no mention of prices, but it'll, it'll be pretty expensive, uh, regardless. Given that these are uh, again, it's a variant of the P fifty. Um, but uh, yeah, would love to get my hands on the P fifty Pocket. Um, if there's anyone listening in Malaysia, would, again, it would be great if you could send me a P50 Pocket. I'd love to uh, check this out. Um, I do know some people in Malaysia, so I should... I don't know. Should I? Oh, well. Fortunately, thankfully, there's no equivalent to the like button on podcasts, right? <laughs> like it is on YouTube or TikTok. You can press the like button and people can challenge that. So uh, that's pretty interesting, uh, regardless. Um so that was pretty. That that, but again, uh, it's pretty interesting to see that Huawei is still releasing high-end phones after all this time. Realme, uh, we gotta talk about Realme. Um, Realme is sort of uh, global head, you could say. Uh, Realme's vice president might have said the main face of Realme, as I'd say, outside of China, outside the main heads of uh, Realme in China, he's probably the the uh, face everyone knows of when they think of Realme. Uh, he's talked to Android Authority and has really revealed a whole bunch of things. Uh, and uh, we've got to talk to a bunch of the re revelations. First is uh, plans to enter the U.S. market. According to him, uh, apparently Realme is planning this year to bring its IoT and ART uh, devices to the U.S. market. And uh, that now, not their smartphones yet. Again, smartphones are tougher not to crack in a way. There are a few Chinese brands that have made it in America, like Lenovo and T TCL. But you could say TCL and Lenovo have deep inroads in, Amer in the American market compared to, say, Realme. Realme would have to do a lot of work to secure partnerships with carriers, retailers, to gain their trust. 
Huawei almost released the I don't remember what what uh, Mate phone was was it, but they almost released the Mate 10 or something or the 8, and then AT&T backed out of because of the allegations that Huawei was spying uh, was 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 going to spy on US net on on you on American users and AT&T canceled the deal and it really annoyed Huawei in a way uh but uh, again it's hard for Realme to bring uh phones it'll take them time but I'm sure they're going to do what Xiaomi does uh, what Xiaomi's been doing for a while they don't sell smartphones in America but they sell streaming sticks smart home gear stuff that people in America would easily buy and again would not be a big issue like have buying a phone and then that phone would, get, uh, would send data to China, you know, that kind of, th- there's that suspicion and it's still there in a way. But um, uh, RIM is essentially going to bring the smart home gear, streaming sticks, they do make plenty of products that are not phones, uh, earbuds, streaming uh, sticks, you know, um, and probably smartwatches, r- RoboWax, smart home gear, bulbs, even even a trimmer, I believe. I I think that they, they released a trimmer or or a uh, or a uh, toothbrush. So that's uh, but again, uh, it's pretty interesting uh, thing that uh, uh, that uh, Madhav has mentioned to Android Authority. Uh, but I'm sure they're going for what Xiaomi did um, in a way, um, and they want to beat them in the market. So it's again, it's pretty interesting, regardless. Um, and then um, another thing you mentioned was that this coming year, in 2022, expect to see more phones, uh, more tablets and laptops. I'm about to say phones. We're going to see lots of phones from Realme, that's for sure. But they're going to focus more on laptops and tablets also, given that it's one of the five major product categories that Realme is putting its, its concentrating its efforts in, along with uh, smart home gear and, and, and wearables and TVs that Realme already sells in a bunch of markets. So, um, so... Um, but you kind of mentioned that Realme essentially also would be looking to launch um, different kinds of tablets and laptops for different price points. It didn't go and de- go into further detail, but he kind of went uh, where he stated uh, code coding under authority here. So I think yes, definitely we'll see lots of uh, a lot of new tablets coming in different uh, other price segments. At the same time, laptops you'll see coming down, and that's why he kind of co- mentioned. Uh, that was him being coded by Android Authority, so that that was what he said. So, expect to see more laptops and tablets. Um, interestingly enough, uh, a representative from Realme tweeted earlier this week that the next Realme book that's coming out will have Intel's 12th gen core processors, and those are pretty fast chips itself, even the efficient ones and the high-performance ones. So, again, a uh, pretty interesting development. And, uh, yeah, and, and again, according to him also, uh, and I'll quote him here. We'll be having a global launch very soon for the GT2 series, and you'll soon hear from us. So it's going to be a global launch, and it's going to be in Europe also. So we've already heard about the Realme GT2 series, the GT2 and the GT2 Pro. It'll be coming out the rest of the world very soon, next couple of weeks, according to him. Uh, obviously, in Realme's key markets, China, India, oh, it's already in China, but in Realme's key markets in Asia, in India and Pakistan, in Western Europe, Realme has a market presence, a significant market presence, and has a lot of consumers buying their phones. So expect to see the GT2 and GT2 Pro very soon, uh, at a, probably at a store near you. So it's pretty interesting regardless. And then finally, he kind of uh, made a point, and he responded to uh, Android Authorities' uh, question about software updates and Realme's 
probably kind of laggard status as not having extensive OS and security updates compared to the rest of the competition. And he, uh, and, he, and he mentioned here, I think we are still sticking to that particular point that we are going for two years of OS updates and the regular security patch updates for three years. So they're not going to change uh, the update. Uh, they're not going to cha- change the upgrade, uh, the updates cycle uh, to compete with Samsung and OnePlus and other phones uh, where they're planning to, o- where those brands now offer three years of OS updates, which makes sense given the processes and everything. Again, the parts have all standardized. So updates could be, f- would be faster, right? Uh, but again, um, he doesn't, basically his point is that he doesn't see a point in offering three years of updates when two does enough in a way. And I think that's a fair point. He kind of uh, goes on to claim that the average life cycle of phones, today's phones, varies from uh, 24 to 30, 26 months. Uh, more than two years, it lasts more than two years-ish at that point. So, um, so yeah, so that's, so that's interesting uh, regardless. Um, but there are certain models that Realme offers where they give you three years of software updates. So that's pretty interesting, um, in a way. But yeah, Samsung is obviously Samsung, uh, which is probably, which wouldn't really go to the pain of updating their phones with new versions of Android, uh, for a slightly longer than usual period. They're extending, they're offering a longer, uh, upgrade cycle, uh, for their software. Uh, so I think Realme should think about it at least. Um, I mean, it's a fair point. Two years is a lot. Two upgrades, two updates is great. But again, would we get to have three years of OS updates like the industry standard at this point? Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting uh, revelation uh, from from Realme's vice president, uh, and and the fact that uh, that uh, they're entering the U.S. market. I, I was surprised, frankly. I didn't think they would enter the U.S. market. So again, uh, it's pretty interesting, uh, nonetheless. And um, moving on, let's talk about EVs, electric vehicles, and they're all the rage these days. First of all, uh, Volkswagen has the spiritual successor to the to the mini to the microbus, which is the iconic uh, the uh, the iconic Volkswagen bus that everyone knew, along with their Beetle and everything. And uh, again, it's it, it, the WAN was like representative of the hippie move hipster movement in in the U.S. In the 60s, I mean, everyone knew what the hippie yuan was because, uh, again, it symbolized that movement in America. And now we have a spiritual successor that's all electric, the ID bus. We've heard, we've been hearing about it for the past couple of years as a concept, and people loved it enough that Volkswagen's making a production vehicle based on that concept. And now we're getting to hear, we're going to see more about it on March 9th this year. Uh, Volkswagen CEO Herbert Dice uh, announced it on Twitter. The legend returns on the 3rd of March, 2022. Um, if you're going by that dating uh, date, convent- March 9th, 2022. So pretty interesting um, in a way. And um, this actually uh, will be the launch generally of the car itself. We've seen the car itself in, in camouflage pics, uh, which again, it looks pretty interesting. Uh, very far from the concept being sleek and this kind of mini one you can take on, on on a road trip far from the concept but again regardless pretty cool looking car uh for what it is in production uh, with the final production model um this ev will be made in the in in germany uh interestingly enough uh we'll have 111 kilowatt hour battery included 
as this would be sort of using the maximum battery pack for the MEB architecture, which this car is based on. Interesting enough, this car will be available in the third quarter of this year and will be available next year in the US. So if you've been waiting for this success of the hippie when uh, you won't have to wait long, probably wait till next year. Again, not that long uh, from now. So again, uh, pretty interesting. Um, some people have said that it looks uglier in the, the, the final production version, which is based on the concept. It looks a whole lot uglier than what the concept was, but honestly, I don't think it might, makes much of a difference because again, it's quite similar to the ID series in general with those looks. So pretty interesting, uh, nonetheless. Um, if we, if we got to talk about EVs, CES was a pretty big event for the EV industry. Uh, Chevrolet, GM announced the Chevrolet, uh, Escalade EV, no, not the Escalade. It was the, um, Chevrolet announced EV version of the famous pickup truck, the, um, if I could bring it up here, it's the Silverado. The, the Silverado EV is going to be coming pretty soon. Uh, and it'll probably take on the F-150 Lightning and the R1T from Rivian in a way, competing with those types of products. And it uh, makes sense because um, pickup trucks bring in pretty good margins. So makes sense for G GM to get into that sector, uh, interestingly. And uh, and GM sort of went on, uh, also showed a little bit further about the Equinix, uh, Equinox EV which uh, which is also sort of their uh, which is their sub thirty thousand dollar EV which would finally compete with uh, with Tesla and Volkswagen other EV brands uh, regardless so um, pretty bizarre to say Volkswagen's an EV brand but it's happening guys I mean we're moving to electric and this is a transition we'd like to see uh, that again would help the environment uh, regardless and um, I don't know why my computer freezes but oh well. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, there's been, a lot, I mean, again, we've, we've been hearing more about EVs during CES and it's becoming more and more of a show where smart technology is front and center. So more focus on, uh, on AV gear usually. So TVs and home theater gear, it's usually the event for that, but also, um, but also uh, we're hearing more about smart homes and EVs and it's become front and center for those sorts of things. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, but Weirdly enough, one thing we didn't see coming from CES, we didn't expect honestly, was the uh, was the BMW iX Flow. And this is a concept vehicle, if I could bring it up, yeah. Uh, so this is a concept vehicle, the iX Flow, that essentially uses E-Ink technology on the exterior, and it changes color. So it uses very little power already, and it can have two states being E-Ink. So again, black and white, and the idea is that you can change the color at a click of a button in the car. So it's pretty cool. Um, obviously, this is a concept. It's not. It's not gonna be a final production model. It's not an option you can get on the on a iX, obviously. But it's pretty cool to have. Um, but you know, it it has benefits in a way. Uh, to start with, you can essentially. Um, it helps the reflection. So. A black car would make the car nice and hot. It would it would it would keep the car thermally uh, sound. You could say during winter, so it keep it nice and hot. Um, and then when and you can click a button, switch to white when when it's the summer, so the car doesn't get hot. So it's got practical uses. They're not just uh, you know a party trick that oh look you could change the color. Oh wow, um, yeah, it's pretty awesome concept from BMW, and uh, definitely it's caught in everyone's eye in a way. Um, you know, probably say one of the best bits of CES uh, in a sense. 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, uh, it's a pretty interesting a little thing from uh, from be- from uh, from the Bavarian uh, beast. So, yeah, it's uh, pretty cool of BMW. And uh, while we're already talking about EVs, that is, um, last week, obviously, CES happened. All the major brands have, ta- have shown off all uh, their newest wares for 2022 and much, much more. Um Sony obviously did their event and they showed off. They announced that there will be a uh, there'll be the PSVR two, along with the brand new uh, Bravia XR TVs, uh, the latest generation with Quantum Dot OLED uh, panels, which is pretty awesome to have, obviously. And then they showed off their EVs, which which again a few years ago were a concept at CES, the Sony Vision S. People loved it so much that Sony now announced that they're launching a mobility division and are exploring a entry into the EV market and release uh, the Vision S as an actual car you can buy. Uh, originally, the Vision S was like a concept car for Sony to show off its audio imaging and essentially entertainment capabilities as Sony, what they can offer to EV brands. Uh, Sony can offer their CMOS sensors, its sound systems, its entertainment capabilities, you know, PlayStation straight on the dash. Uh, for other EV brands to take on, uh, to take on Tesla, Tesla has cutting edge technology. It's known as a computer on the wheels. So Sony designed the Vision as as a concept to show what they can do using all the experience in entertainment and creativity and camera technology, and uh, people loved it. So it's going to be an actual car, and that's crazy, uh, regardless. And uh, they obviously showed out a bunch of capabilities like remote operation. And um, and also they showed off another concept EV, the Vision S02, which is like a seven-seater SUV. Again, an SUV sort of. So Sony's kind of showing that hey, we can make cars, and we know what people want in a car. Because now with EVs, once you figure, it, once the thing kind of keeps moving, it the engines don't matter. The it, it it's not a combustion engine anymore. Uh, EVs move on to sort of another experience. So it's about how you feel, how you sit, what do you interact with, what do you do while the car is driving itself. And, and I think it makes sense, honestly. Um, for context, Amazon announced a deal with BMW to integrate Amazon's Fire TV OS into cars. And that tells you how EVs are advancing. It's not just about moving, it's not about cars that can move on batteries. Now you're, gonna, now you're on another level. Now you've got to gotta figure out um, what can people do in their cars if, they, if the cars can drive themselves or remote controlled in a way. Um, what can people do? They can't just listen to music or podcasts. You watch on, f- watch full, full blown movies. Um, you know, binge watch. You know, like Tesla's already. You can stream, you can stream Netflix and YouTube when you're Tesla or TikTok. That's a thing. Um, so again, it's pretty awesome to see that um, there are other ideas, there are other areas of the car experience that people are now focusing and again brands are putting more focus and offering uh their answers to that and uh, again it's pretty awesome to see what sony uh, has brought to the table with the vision vision s i really hope it's an actual car you can buy one day which is uh, again uh, pretty cool um i mean again it's pretty cool to see that sony's made an ev i mean i i mean i hope to get buy one one day hopefully um, it's not some uh, pipe dream that they thought up in their laboratory. So again, a pretty cool EV, uh, regardless. And if we're gonna talk about CES, uh, so the best of CES, 
Um, not just Sony obviously showed off stuff. Samsung obviously showed off their newest TVs, but also they showed off this pretty cool product called the Freestyle, which is essentially like this 360-degree shaped um, projector, and you can point it anywhere in the sky, and essentially project a perfect image, um, and the whole thing can rotate up to 180 degrees from upright position, which is pretty cool, and apparently targets millennials and Gen Z, young folks basically, so... It gets pretty cool, um, and the idea is that you don't need a screen, a projector screen, to project onto the wall. You can project it anywhere, and it's sort of supposed to be a fun and versatile device. It can be used in any way or orientation. It's, the Freestyle from Samsung gives you a crystal clear image up to 100 inches in size. It gives you a 360 degree sound, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's supported with it's compatible with external batteries that do USB power delivery. Uh, and can take up to 50 watts, 20 volt output, so that's pretty cool. And apparently, it's the first portable, uh, it's the first first portable display or projector you could say that that works when when it's connected to a standard E26 light socket. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, uh, but uh, again, it's a nice to have feature. Um, I think I don't understand what that means. Uh, maybe they're probably supposed to say that it's bright enough that you you can run it with the lights on, potentially. Who knows? Um, so again, it's uh, it's pretty cool, um, nonetheless, and um, it's a pretty interesting uh, little product. It's not a concept. This is an actual product that Samsung is gonna launch very very soon. Um, It'll be, it's already gone on pre-orders in the U.S. and it'll be available very soon. So yeah, it's uh, it's um, it's not a big deal, but we there already are portable projectors you can buy on the market from Anchor, from other brands. But this is uh, Samsung's doing this, and and it's pretty interesting. Um, and uh, again, pretty cool product if you ask me. Uh, regardless, and then there's Razer. Razer tends to rule CES. They bring in. Wacky concepts and the latest generation of their products, uh, interestingly. So uh, Razer obviously attended CES this year and they came out with a bang uh, with two cool concepts. Uh, but also they showed off their latest generation Razer Blade laptops with the latest Intel and AMD processors and the latest NVIDIA graphics. You got to have that. Pretty cool laptop. I'd love to get one if I had the money. So it's pretty cool laptops. Uh, so they showed off the latest uh uh, razor blade laptops uh, along with that they've shown up two cool concepts the first is project sophia uh, this is a concept uh, gaming desk it's modifiable there are 13 modules uh, on the top you can pop them out and these hard swappable modules essentially give you all sorts of capabilities you can have secondary displays system monitoring tools hard key panels like you know the stream deck kind of stuff St stream dock or deck from elgato but that kind, but like as like a module can pop under the desk, and pen tablets, and it's supposed to sort of um, meet the needs of gamers and those productivity users and content creators. And again, uh, with thirteen different modules on the desk itself, you can pop out and change uh, modules, and essentially you can have a setup that fits you. And with a sleek looking desk that is again nice and slim, and um, and uh, and it's a glass top. Which is not fun, but again, um, the idea is that you have all these modules and they magnetic slap, snap in, which is pretty cool, uh, interestingly. 
and there's like a kind of core computer at, in the center, so towards the front, sort of the front, top front, uh, that again has the same kind of, uh, that again looks like uh, it's a concept product, but it's got the chat, it's got the board from a razor blade laptop, which is pretty interesting. So uses a laptop board, but again, it's pretty interesting. Um, regardless, it's got RGB. Obviously, it's got razor uh, RGB all over. It's a gaming desk, but apparently, being a concept, it's essentially a very customizable desk. Um, and on top of that, you have a 65-inch OLED display at the front, front and center with left and right channel speakers. Basically, it's a product that you won't, you can't obviously go out and buy, and uh, they're not gonna launch it down the road. But it's a concept they've shown off. I, I honestly think this could work with, say, I think they could team up with IKEA, or Herman Miller, or a big furniture retailer or manufacturer to make this happen. It's a cool product. I'd buy this if they're, if they do bring it one day. The fact that you could uh, get a gaming desk where you could you could pop things in and you get a proper. Uh, work state uh, proper gaming or work uh, productivity setup um, and it's all right in front of you is pretty cool um, interestingly so uh, it gives you like a single desktop in a way so that's cool and then and then another concept they shown off was the Enki Pro Hypersense an advanced gaming chair with high fidelity haptics if so this is a regular gaming chair but it features a haptic feedback unit developed with Dbox a famous company that's known for making rumbling uh rumbling uh i think dbox is the company that's known for making these like uh haptic engines that are used in cinemas to give you that emo effective motion of explosions and stuff coming behind you and like you feel your chair shaking so that's pretty cool um so it's a regular gaming chair but it's not just any other gaming chair it has it's got haptics you feel the game in front of you apparently this supports 2200 games pretty much uh along with movies and music titles and you can literally feel the the game or the movie which is pretty cool um so um apparently it could do 65,000 haptic variations and gives you a tactile feedback of plus or minus one g-force uh that's pretty interesting and has a response ra response rate of up to five millise response times of up to five milliseconds not far from your controller. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I like that Razer. GG. Good game Razer. I mean, uh, it's a pretty cool product. Um, and obviously, it's uh, aside from that. Aside from the uh, from the haptic engine, you have the uh, you have the pretty cool uh, luxury. Uh, you got a pretty cool gaming chair, and you feel like a king. I mean, I know nothing about gaming chairs, but it, it looks interesting uh, with that D box uh, haptic engine. So uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. And also, Razer has also announced that they have like a smart home program for their Chroma RGB, which I think is nice to have. It's cool to see Razer doing good things, uh, good moves uh, in a way. GG Razer. I mean, kind of honestly, this is the best. I think they won CES this year with this concept. So yeah, uh, good move, Razer. I really like what you're doing. <laughs> um, finally. We're, we're already talking about gaming in a way. Finally, uh, Take-Two Interactive, the developer of GTA, Red Dead Redemption, Bully, and a whole bunch of iconic games, AAA games kind of, that's what they're known for, is buying out Zynga. Uh, so they're essentially buying it out at a stock, pro at 
Zynga share price of $9.86, um, totaling it to be a deal worth $12.7 billion. Pretty interesting. This, uh, the, the purchase deal, sort of the price mentioned here, uh, gives you a premium of 64% of uh, Zynga's closing share price uh, on January 7th. Um, so um, overall, basically Take-Two is buying Zynga for $12.7 billion. And this combined, this deal will essentially give Take-Two sort of an open door into the mobile gaming world. Now, ironically, Zynga is not, not a big player really in mobile gaming. They made their name with Facebook games and then obviously they eventually, and then smartphones took off and they had games for smartphones and people know them for that now also. Uh, but again, it would give Take-Two an open door into the world of mobile gaming. A lot of them make mobile games in general because they haven't had, aside from a few copies of GDA games, a few ports of, G of older GDA titles on, on smartphones, uh, Take-Two doesn't have many mobile games. So even exciting, and, and probably NBA, NBA 2K, probably a mobile version, they don't have many mobile games in general. So uh, again, t utilizing Zynga's expertise in social and mobile gaming, They'd obviously uh, get get into the smartphone market, uh, which is again a pretty big gate part of gaming. With Free Fire and PUBG Mobile being in one of the most popular video games out there, as it is one of the top fifty games. So, if you think about it, it's a pretty good move from Take Two, uh, getting Zynga. Sort of, they they're able to get into the uh, get into the mobile gaming world, and I think that's pretty cool. Uh, interestingly, according to them. Uh, they expect to have hundred billion dollars, hundred sorry, hundred million dollars of annual cost synergies within the first two years of closing. I mean, there's also the money involved here. That the synergies involved and and uh, resources could be saved up. And uh, it's uh, again, it's a it's a solid deal uh, from the developers of GTA. I mean, uh, does this mean we'll get to see GTA Five for mobile? Who knows? It, it might happen. You never know. It, it might happen. Uh, regardless, so uh, pretty good move from Take Two also uh, for buying Zynga. So uh, again, pretty solid move, nonetheless. All right, this brings us to the end of the episode. What do you think of everything you've heard today? Let me know on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I'm on I'm on all of those platforms at Said underscore nine nine. Follow me there if you can. Share this show to your friends and family. Uh, subscribe wherever you're listening right now so you don't miss another episode. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Do all these things. And support the show. Definitely will appreciate it. And with all that. Uh, till Wednesday. This is your boy Ron signing out. Wherever you are. Stay safe. Take care. Have a wonderful day. And yeah. Um, thank you for listening. Ciao.